all of our technical issues are solved. Uh, my name is Lori Ballard. I go by Layla right now just because I work in the 1040 window, and I, just for security reasons of where I work, I use a pseudonyme. Um, so the first thing I'd like to say is uh, thank you all for coming, and I'm really glad not to have to use a translator today. It makes my life so much easier. I have here my daughter, so she's recording this for me. Um, I just want to get a kind of feel for everybody. How many of you out there are nurse practitioners? Wow, that makes me so happy. All right, so let's just start. Um, I just want to have a quick word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful conference. We thank you for the ability to worship you, to enjoy you, and to fellowship, and also to see how you would have us uh, serve you throughout the world. Lord, bless this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I just want to, I'm really excited for the role of the nurse practitioner, uh, especially that we were, as you can see from this article, there was, it was uh, published in January 11th of 2022 of this year. And it was put out by the News and World Report that they ranked the nurse practitioner role first in the 2020 Best Healthcare Jobs list and second on the 2022 100 Best Jobs list. So we have a great career ahead of us. Uh, these annual rankings take into account the most important aspects of a job, including opportunities for growth, work-life balance, and salary. And the president of the AAMP said, she said, the World Report ranking of nurse practitioners as the nation's top health care job demonstrates the strength of the profession in serving patients and communities and meeting the skyrocketing demand for high-quality health care across the country. These rankings highlight what we have known for some time. The nurse practitioner role is not just a job. It's a calling for the more than 325,000 nurse practitioners who are working tirelessly from hospitals to primary clinics, inpatient homes, and via telehealth. So I love my job as a nurse practitioner. Uh, to me, that role fit, feels the right fit, something that I really didn't feel as an RN. And when I went back to school, I definitely had criticism from both some family members and even the professors in the university where I was studying. And that was related to my choice to become a nurse practitioner. So it can also be a very difficult field, as most of you know. We're constantly working with different physicians. Maybe some of them aren't excited about our role. But I can honestly say that perseverance, being patient with educating those around me, and increasing my experience and knowledge in the area has paid off in the end. So I hope that you feel the same way, too. So I want to start out by providing some of the background, um, especially with my journey for GMHC. I started attending GMHC in 2015 at the recommendation of a close Kenyan friend. He told me that I needed to come to this conference with him. I'd never heard about it before. And I was really a little hesitant at first. But I found this conference to be very encouraging and really exciting to see all the different places and organizations available in all areas of the world. So my husband and I felt that we wanted to use our abilities in more places than just the U.S. And he had done a Fulbright scholarship to Kenya. Some of my good friends are here from Kenya. 
And we used that opportunity when he had the Fulbright, um, not just for the secular job that he had, but also for ministry. So I was working with World Gospel Mission at that time as a volunteer. Then after that, our goal became to find a place where we could work full-time overseas and to use that as our platform for ministry in the workplace. So I came to GMHC as I was studying to be a nurse practitioner, and every booth I went to, they said that nurse practitioners weren't utilized around the world. That was a little bit discouraging. For, to me, it was frustrating because I felt that my role as an NP was where God had placed me. But really, what felt frustrating to me was just God's plan to give me the right amount of experience and prepare the place for which I was to go. So in 2019, I attended a seminar on marketplace workers. And this is exactly what my husband and I had been thinking of, but didn't know that it really existed as a concept. Marketplace workers are those who move overseas for a specific job that they are qualified for and then use that as their platform for ministry. It's a particularly advantageous way to enter places such as the 1040 window. And even better, when I went to talk to the speakers afterward, they were thrilled and excited to think about nurse practitioners being used. And so from this point on until I landed in the UAE in September 2021, there was an actual goal and a plan. So this is definitely my Cliff Notes version of my experience because there's, it would take more than the hour we have to just tell you all the pieces and parts that really fit together in that plan. And there's much more that I want to share with you. So I just want to state that small portion to really encourage you that if you're dreaming of the impossible, if that impossible is a God-given dream, then he'll make it possible. And when, I, when we landed in Dubai for the first time, we were walking down the hallway, you know, getting off the plane. And the motto of Dubai is funny. It says, where the impossible doesn't exist. And while I don't believe that's true of any earthly entity, I definitely think it's true of God. And he provided that quote for me. So, so actually, I was just going to show you, I don't know how many of you know where the UAE is. Fewer hands than there's nurse practitioners out there. But if you see that little red country over there, that's the UAE, and that's where we are currently located. So I have a little bit bigger picture to show you. I'm going to walk over here and show you that Dubai is up here where we landed. This is the Emirates of Abu Dhabi, and this is where we live right over here in the lane, which is on the border of Oman. Actually, the border of Oman runs right through the lane. So I want to explore how nurse practitioners can be used around the world, which is, I think, why all of you are here. And I think we first have to look at what we're using of the definition of a nurse practitioner. So we have the International Council of Nurses, or the ICN, and we have the World Health Organization, or WHO, that give their definition. And I think this is important because when we talk about different countries that are currently using nurse practitioners, we have to see if they're using it based on this definition or, or how they're using them. So according to the ICN, nurse practitioners are generalist nurses who, after additional education, minimum of a, a master's degree, are autonomous clinicians. We're educated to diagnose and treat conditions on evidence-based guidelines, that include nursing principles, 
to focus on treating the whole person rather than just a condition or disease. So we bring a comprehensive perspective to the healthcare service by blending clinical expertise in diagnosing and treating health conditions, also including prescribing medications, and then with an added emphasis on disease management and health management, or disease prevention and health management. So the scope of practice of a nurse practitioner differs from that of a generalist nurse in the level of accountability and responsibility required to practice. So they also go on to explain the courses that you would need for the advanced degree and some more specific roles that can be applied to the nurse practitioner. And this came out in a paper in 2020 called The Guidelines on Advanced Practice Nursing. So there's also something called clinical nurse specialists, and they're also used around the world in many places. And the next slide I'll show is a chart um, devoted to the differences between the nurse practitioner and the clinical nurse specialist. So basically, they're more limited in their scope of practice, and they're usually based on a specific, well-defined patient population or practice population, such as... um, cardiology or orthopedics or something of that sort. Now, in addition to the ICN presenting their definition of a nurse practitioner, the WHO has also been very busy, and they've been developing the Sustainable Development Goals, or the SDGs, for all areas of the world that they want to be implemented by 2030. And so they, the WHO has been advocating for the advanced nursing practice role also, to help with global shortages. And then as nurse practitioners over the years, we've been seen to function similar to physicians. According to Chow in an article from 2017, we assist patients in decision-making, promoting patient and family engagement, providing continuity of care, improving patient satisfaction, improving interpersonal communication and professional relationships, decreasing morbidity and mortality rates, increasing treatment compliance, improving productivity, and reducing health care costs. So I landed in the UAE in September of 2021. Prior to arriving, I'd done a lot of research about what was utilized in the UAE. And I had the backing of a hospital, also called Kennedy. We have a booth downstairs, so come visit us. And the marketplace group, Adelstone, who was the recruiting company. So I had read through the ICN 2020 guidelines. I knew there was a push to hire NPs worldwide. I also found this article called Nursing in the UAE, Current Challenges and Opportunities. And I thought, wow, this is a great article. It wasn't even published yet. I found it before it was published. And uh, it was... But it was the one that really gave me hope to finding a job in the UAE because they mentioned the ambitious plan the UAE had for world-class health care system where they would be looking to add the specialization of nurses to improve the value and quality of the nursing services in the UAE. The end of the article stated, clinical nurse specialists and advanced nurse practice roles are almost absent. And no legislation and professional frameworks exist to regulate and monitor these roles. It's true. They didn't. So here was the line that really jumped out to me, made me do some more research, advocated for my role at Kennett Hospital, and then I left the U.S. 
not with a license to practice, but with the hope of a license. So when I got to work in the UAE, they had to put something on my visa, like what was I going to do to work. So they put me as a role of nurse educator in the hospital, at Kennan Hospital, but my visa said file clerk. (laughs) So originally I was a file clerk. And so then we were going to work on this nurse practitioner role. And in the Middle East and many countries worldwide, it's better to land in the country and start working there while you're there. They, They really, that face really promotes you getting a license. So it was definitely easier to do it in country, but there were still a lot of roadblocks. We had a lot of paper problems. We had some slow processing due to Arab culture. And then we had a rejection. But I'll get to that later. So this, but this last one, the rejection, really had me questioning, like, God, you brought me all the way here. You planned everything for me. I've sold everything in the U.S. I left my children. You know, what am I doing? And the CEO of the hospital at that time, he, he was like, oh, it's no problem. He said, uh, don't worry. Two weeks, we're going to go to the Department of Health or DOH. I have a friend there. We'll meet with my friend, and we'll get a license. I thought, wow, you're Okay. So, sure enough, two weeks later, we went. We sat there, pure Arabic style. We were drinking coffee, eating dates, which we have in our booth downstairs. So, come and get some. And uh, we were just chit-chatting, and then she turns to me and said, So, you want a license? I said, Yeah. She said, Okay. My assistant will get you one. All right. So, we went back to talking, and ten minutes later, we left. And that was that. So, we left, and the CEO was like, See, you have your license. And I'm thinking... I don't have a license. It's not even in my hands yet. But he was like, it will come. And he was right. January 2022, I think the day you left to go back to the U.S., the 7th, I got my license. So, but there's still work to be done. There was no, remember, there's no legislation. There's no policies and procedures. There's no standards of practice. There's nothing for me. I have to create all of this. So I've been doing that for the last several months. So interestingly, in the UAE, uh, Nursing. Most of the nurses are expats. In fact, I worked with faculty, or I worked with uh, people from all over the world. We have 40 different countries represented at our hospital. We have 100 different countries of patients. So it is definitely a very cross-cultural hospital. And the other issue is the negative role of nursing. That's why they don't have a lot of Emiratis. So because Emiratis are Muslim, there's a lot of issue with caring for men, if you're a woman, or if you're a male, you don't do nursing. So there's a lot of stuff to really counteract with that culture. But then one of the problems with hiring a lot of expats, we have a lot from the Philippines and Africa and Asia and India, and they don't necessarily have the same standards of nursing that we would have here in the U.S. So the DOH, or the Department of Health for the Emirati, or yeah, Emirate of Abu Dhabi, instigated a chronic care model for primary health care. So this is to correlate with the sustainable developmental goals for the country, well, for the WHO. And the idea is to create a patient-centered medical home for each resident of the Emirates. So this was their national vision in 2021, but due to COVID, there have been some delays. And one strategy that they had was to hire family medicine doctors to be that gatekeeper for the primary care home. So that's something that we're all familiar with here in the U.S., but not so much overseas. So they soon realized that there's not enough family medicine physicians, and we all know that. 
But they, so they decided, oh, we have Cleveland Clinic here in Abu Dhabi. So let's try to do a plan with them. They're used to the U.S. version. They're used to what we want. So they started working with some nurse practitioners in collaboration with a Cleveland Clinic. Cleveland Clinic in the UAE was opened about eight years ago. So it's not an old hospital. So using the Cleveland Clinic, they were going to, they hired nurse practitioners. I think they hired 10 of them to work at the full scope of their practice in education. They were going to be treated like nurse practitioners in the U.S. They would be in inpatient and outpatient settings. And the roadmap for this initiative was slated to occur from 2015 to 2017. So I read an article from 2018, promoted the success of the project, how the Cleveland Clinic had adapted their cultural point of view, how they were doing so well. The, the nurse practitioners in there um, stated they had some challenges, such as ordering narcotics and controlled medications, but they felt that with it continued regulatory practices, these challenges could be overcome too. And then with the increasing educational programs to include nurse practitioners in the UAE, that would just help to solidify the role. However, when I started talking to nurse practitioners that I got involved with at the Cleveland Clinic before I went over, none of them were working as nurse practitioners. So it's been some time, but I, I learned that the um, this is the Cleveland Clinic. I learned that they, while they still wanted to be forefront, the they didn't really know how to integrate these nurse practitioners. So I think all of the nurse practitioners were replaced by residents, uh, family medicine residents, in 2020 and 2021. As of now, there's no nurse practitioners working at the Cleveland Clinic in the role of the nurse practitioner. Some of them have gotten jobs as nursing educators. Others of them have gone elsewhere in the UAE, but most of them went back home to the U.S. So this is truly a miracle from God that I was able to get a license because I'm the first one in the UAE to be licensed under the Department of Health, not as some program, but as on my own. And um, we also were able to hire another nurse practitioner that's working with me, and she's part-time, but we hired her at the end of September, and we started that process in, at the end of February, so it took quite some time. But our, our goal at Kennet is to continue hiring nurse practitioners to help facilitate the plans of the UAE to use nurse practitioners in a variety of roles. We started with urgent care, and then I'm in primary care, and then to help the UAE continue to formalize the role within the country. So the Department of Health has asked me to help them uh, figure out how to start a nurse practitioner school, so we'll see how that goes too. I want to go back and show you. These are pictures of Kennet Hospital. So this is the hospital I work at. And it's really nice. They, they started naming their streets uh, a couple years ago. And they put us on the corner of health and motherhood. Because we're <laughs> primarily a women and children's hospital. So they named us appropriately. So the role of the nurse practitioner around the world. Are there any other nurse practitioners around the world? Well, when I was doing some research, I, I found that you know we're, they want to use us, as the WHO does, for the sustainable developmental goals. 
And according to an article written in 2020, there are currently 70 countries worldwide that actually have established nurse practitioner roles or are considering the introduction of the role in the near future. I have, from my research, I think there's more countries in the considering the introduction than the actual established. But we'll talk about some of these. So, but as we mentioned also before, there's maybe some discrepancies about what that role actually is and how it's utilized. So I had a chance to go speak at a conference in Egypt in July. It's called Dewam, Doctors with a Mission Conference. And I met some nurse practitioners there. So they're working in Egypt, but not in the capacity of a nurse practitioner. And I learned that in Egypt, for any medical, whether it's doctor, nurse, nurse practitioner, whatever it is, it's very hard for someone outside of Egypt to get a license there. So any physician there, too, is also working under the license of a medical doctor from Egypt. So the nurse practitioners I met were working under, like, another entity, maybe a physician or maybe a nurse, but they were working only in the role of a nurse educator. And they actually are doing some good work, though, because they're trying to just bring the skills of the new Egyptian graduates up to the level of critical thinking that the U.S. would be doing here. So with this information, then I can talk to you about some of the other countries that are looking to using nurse practitioners, but some of the barriers that can be had by some of the nurse practitioners throughout the world. So advanced practice nurses trained and used in high-income areas, and these would be places like the U.S., Canada, Finland, Norway, Australia, and the Netherlands. They did an article that compared the teaching styles and the curriculum and what, you know, these nurse practitioners came out of school being able to do. And so they, what the gist of the article was that they wanted to advocate from a nationalistic credentialing of nurse practitioners to more of a global one because they found that there's just so many differences in how they're trained. So like in the Netherlands and Norway, the students have to attend school in person. And actually, this was the roadblock I wanted to talk to you about for me. So my school was a hybrid. I did a lot of classes online, but I also met in person. Um, of course, all my clinicals were in person. But the, because I had a, some online courses, and the funny thing was the red flag for them was my undergraduate philosophy course that red flagged them, that I had online courses. And so they didn't want to give me a license based on the fact that I had taken online study. So that can be actually a huge deterrent, something that maybe we can overcome, but it's just something that I like to tell people, you know, be careful of that and just make sure that you, and you can talk to me afterward about some of the ideas we have for uh, counteracting that potential roadblock. So then countries with more middle to low income or those that have a lot of rural areas, they've used advanced nurse practitioners or advanced nurses, but they don't adhere to the ICN guidelines for what that definition is. So they've used them, uh, maybe they don't have a master's degree, um, but maybe they are still prescribing medications. And both the ICN and the U.S. Institute of Medicine advocate for the importance of the advanced practice nurses because we can enhance the effective care and meet the primary care needs of the population. 
but they feel that the one area where standardization really should be set in stone is with the prescribing of medications. So right now there's only six countries that require a master's to prescribe, and they are the U.S., I might pronounce it wrong, Montserrat, Trinidad, Tobago, St. Vincent, the Grenadines, Thailand, and Singapore. And that was from an article in 2018, so at this time it could be a little different. Another article I looked at talked about the transferability of your education or your degree um, with NP credentials, and they were between the U.S., Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and Ireland. And they concluded that standardization might be better because right now the transfer between those countries is a little bit hard. U.S. to Canada, maybe not so much. Um, New Zealand to Australia, maybe not so much. But if you wanted to go from the U.S. to Australia, you'd run into a little bit more difficulty. So probably you'd have to work in the country as an RN while you're doing the paperwork to facilitate the nurse practitioner. So they're, they're really advocating for, again, standardization of international requirements for nurse practitioners. Um, Saudi Arabia is another country that is nearby to us. I mean, we border Saudi Arabia and the UAE. And they've done a lot of articles. There were some from 2020 through 2022. And they kind of looked at, is it the right time to have nurse practitioners in Saudi? And one of the articles said, well... Maybe not. We're trying to even get to the point where we have enough nurses to practice. We can't even think about nurse practitioners right now. And then in the article from 2021, they were interviewing nurse practitioners, which I'm not sure who these licensed nurse practitioners were because I tried for a job in Saudi and they didn't want to hire me as a nurse practitioner. Um, But they felt that it was better to have nurse practitioners because they did more evidence-based practice rather than ones that were just RN trained. But we already know that too. So, And then the third article was the physician's perception of nurse practitioners in Saudi Arabia. And again, this is a huge roadblock to overcome because if you're not accepted by the medical providers you work with, then there's really little chance of you being able to practice to the full extent of your license. And this was the problem at Cleveland Clinic that they found. So if you are given a chance by the government and even the medical boards of authority, you still have to deal with that daily integration in the workplace. So I feel privileged right now. I'm working at a hospital that we do have a lot of Western doctors, and they understand and they advocate for the role of the nurse practitioner. I don't have to struggle every day to prove my position for what I can do. But I did find it helpful when I started to go around to the different areas and introduce myself. I went to some physician meetings, told them what I did, and that really has helped. In fact, I have a lot of the physicians from other countries who will still refer to me now. So they'll refer patients to me for primary care. And the... um, Again, we were talking about the Cleveland Clinic, and that was one, when I talked to one of the nurse practitioners from there, she said that that was one of the reasons that she felt that Cleveland Clinic had kind of failed in their promoting of nurse practitioners was that they were having trouble dealing with the physicians. So this article from Saudi Arabia concluded that if you educate the staff and explain to the policymakers and stakeholders the role of the nurse practitioner, then you really could maybe have a more smooth transition, and I find that to be true. 
And then there's other research that has shown that there's untapped potential for nurse practitioners in India and maybe sub-Sahara Africa because they do need a lot of primary care physicians in those areas too. So that's a lot of information about different countries, but what, how can you be involved? What can you do? And one of the things that I think is really helpful, and, and it's being done, I know, in the U.S., one of my friends just last week told me that there's a lot of advertisements out there about nurse practitioners. I'm not sure who's advocating for it. She said she's watching TV and saw a, an advertisement. And I don't know if it's the AMP or the AC, a, a, ACNN, whatever it is, ACCN. Okay. Uh, but I, I think it's great that we're really advocating for our, our um, profession. So, like I said, we can all be advocating for the role of the nurse practitioner. And we need to educate healthcare providers. We need to educate the community on what nurse practitioners provide. And we do provide equitable services. We can help reach and staff underserved areas. And for the roughly 140 other countries that weren't listed in those 70 uh, that don't have plans to use an NP, I think that with promoting ourselves and just working with different organizations, we can help supply a need to countries that not only need health care, but also the love of Jesus Christ. And I feel really fortunate. Uh, I do work in a Christian hospital in a Muslim country. Uh, we have been uh, endorsed by the Sheikhs or the ruling governing authorities in the area. Uh, we have as our mission statement um, to honor God by providing exceptional whole person health care with the love and compassion of Jesus Christ. And that's stated every day in our huddle meetings. Uh, we also have scripture passages written on all the walls and rooms of our buildings. So and every staff member that comes to us is not Christian, but they all have to sign a statement that they will endorse the mission statement. They'll not fight against it. They don't have to believe it, but they have to endorse it. And it also reminds me of a sign that's outset, outside of Tenwick Hospital in Kenya. We treat Jesus heals. So it's not our power, but God working in and through us for his glory. So I had a comment from one of my Emirati patients the other day, and she said that, she's talking about me and another family medicine doctor, and she said, oh, you guys are the best doctors in the world. So I responded to her text, and I said, well, it's only through God that we're able to provide quality care that we do. She, she's a Muslim, but she's definitely reached out, and, and it's very exciting to you know, work along Muslim patients and also Muslim staff. So the health care systems also need to understand the role the nurse practitioners play. And I think we can work together with them to develop some policies. So in my role at Kennedy, I'm the first nurse practitioner licensed under the DOH and directly. And because that was a new role for the hospital, I even had to write my own job description. I had to write my own standards of practice, my collaborative agreement. And much of this paperwork was then sent to DOH for them to standardize the work of the nurse practitioners moving forward. So we need to fight for our name. We're not just nurse practitioners. We're not physician extenders. We're not mid-levels. I do hear my name with doctor a lot in the UA, but that also happens here in the U.S. too. And while this is not entirely correct until I finish my DMP, 
uh, it's more difficult sometimes to explain to the patients quickly, like especially with the language barrier that we have and the short time I have with them. But I do fight for my name in other ways. So we have all of the physicians listed on a TV screen outside the lobby areas at the hospital. And mine is listed up there, but it's also listed with nurse practitioner under it. When we do our flyers, my name is listed with nurse practitioner by it. And then, again, I explain myself to hospital staff. I explain my role at meetings, and I'm also on our hospital's Instagrams. So whenever I introduce my little medical minute, it's your medical minute with your nurse practitioner, not your physician. So I don't say all that, but just your medical minute with your nurse practitioner. And then in pursuing a nurse practitioner overseas in the beginning, I, like I said, I found most companies were interested in doctors, nurses, dentists, chiropractors, even PAs. Sorry if I need the PAs out there, but I'm not a PA. And uh, I also know that there are some differences between nurse practitioners and PAs. And I work alongside them a lot, but the one article I found said it quite nicely. While some, well, sometimes considered interchangeable, nurse practitioners and PAs are trained in different educational models and have different strengths. So one isn't better than the other. So nurse practitioners are trained using a, a nursing model that places high value on psychosocial aspects of care and may be especially suited to provide preventative care and chronic disease management. PAs are trained in the medical model similar to the physician approach, and that focuses on the treatment of disease states. So primary care, so basically, you know, we're doing prevention medicine and treatment medicine, but both of them have a role and a place, and I think we can utilize both. So primary care as a concept, like I mentioned earlier, is not advocated in many parts of the world, but I see primary care as preventative medicine. And most of the medicine practiced throughout the world right now is either reactive or just treatment medicine. Even in the U.S., our focus from treatment to preventative medicine has only recently been in the last few years. It's not really a long-term thing that's been going on. And so I feel that this really would help with the sustainable goals as we focus on preventative medicine. And we also want to make sure that we're not underutilized in the roles that we play in promoting uh, the role of the nurse practitioner. So I would encourage anyone who is a nurse practitioner and feels called to work overseas, so do research. Contact different groups that you might be willing to serve with and educate them first on the role of the nurse practitioner. Figure out if they're willing to help you place yourself in another area as a nurse practitioner. See if those areas have a government or health organizations that you can get involved with to educate them. See if they even are advocating for using them or interested. The research may is very important but because you get to have a feel of the culture as you do that research and you get to look what they're looking for. And it may feel like a daunting task, but I found that when I started doing this research, God just led me to the articles that I needed when I needed them. Like that one that wasn't even published yet. Like how did I find that one? But it was, I found it very quickly. And so when I mentioned things to the, the group that was hiring me, the um, Adelstone, they, they would, I'd send them all these articles, like, oh, look what I found now. And they're like, how in the world did you find all this stuff? Okay, that's, that's great. And they'd pass it on to the CEO of the hospital. And then recently I was sitting with the former CEO, and he and I were discussing th- some things, and he said, well, you know, when you kept sending me all those articles, I knew you were right for the job. So 
you can really encourage your position, encourage what you know and what you can do by how you present yourself. So then, finally, but not really finally, because this goes along with both of those others, is just to be open to prayer about where God wants you to serve. And I, I kind of say this, you know, it, it can go both ways. But for me, I think that we really need to be open to where God wants us to go. And if you tell God where you think he wants you to go, I, I think you're not really being open to the fact that he could probably use you somewhere else. So whenever I started this journey, uh, Allison asked me, where do you want to go? And I said, well, I don't know, wherever God can use me at, I, I don't have a particular place in mind. So they said, okay, well, we started with Vietnam. Vietnam didn't want nurse practitioners. Okay. We, then we went to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia was going through an interview process with me, but it was for a nurse educator. And I, they were trying to fit me into this hole that I thought, oh, I'm not going to be, I don't want to, this is not right. So it's not right. So we backed off. Then I was supposed to go to Bahrain to see what that was like, but COVID happened. And then during COVID, suddenly the UAE became an opportunity. So, and then that just took off from there. So I find that if you let God choose, he's going to do more than you would ever dream or imagine that you would actually do. Because right now, I'm not only working with cultures from 40 different staff from 40 different places, and patients from 100 different cultures. And I'm not just working as a nurse practitioner. I'm also recruiting. I do recruiting at the hospital. I also am the practice manager for the primary care clinic. So I have kind of a dual role. I run the physicians from the cardiology, psychiatry, family medicine, and internal medicine groups. And let me tell you, that's, that's a challenge. So, But you, you're always up for the challenge. If God gives you something, then he says that you're ready for it. So I just want to close with this verse from Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work with us, within us. Sorry. So the next two slides are just all the research I did and I prepared this. Well, some of it's from going to the UA and some of it's from the research I did for this. A talk today. So, I even think I didn't even get the sign that said I had only 10 minutes left. <laughs> so, we have time for questions if anybody has any questions for me. Sure. Good question. When I went, there was no DMP program. They started shortly after I finished. But um, for me, getting some getting some experience as a nurse was really helpful before I did the nurse practitioner route. And I think the DMP would be good, like to go into the DMP and not do the masters and then the DMP because it's going to be required anyway. But also. Um, Get some experience, too, as a nurse. Even if it's just for a year or two, it can really help just to give you a knowledge and a background into the nursing aspect before you transition to more of the, the diagnosis and medical side. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I, I would go yeah, just to the DMP. Yeah. Also, the DMP, if you 
work in your hospital, most time will pay for at least half of it. Right. You have to do your thesis. You got research to do which is why I'm working, I'm starting my doctorate now because I have so much research in the Middle East to do. I don't want to get, let it go to waste. So, yeah. I'm finishing my MSN and then planning on DNP. What do you recommend as far as getting experience as a nurse practitioner stateside before looking into international? Wow. So in, in the stateside, I worked in a variety of settings. I was in urgent care, ER, observational medicine, a clinic for a university, and then I finished with detention medicine. Um, so all of that has played a big role in what I do now. It's given me kind of a well-rounded. I didn't have any experience in primary care, which I kind of wish I had, but I find that a lot of it transitions easily to, from urgent care to primary care, just realizing that they're going to be with you longer than urgent care. So those are some of the places I would recommend. And how much time? Oh, that all depends on how comfortable you are and then how long it takes you. The sooner you start the process in going somewhere, probably the better, because it took me almost two years to finish that process. prescribe in the UAE now. Right now, I, I, I had a, um, oh, what is it called? I had my narcotics one for here. Thank you. It's been so long now. Um, but I, I'm not able right now to prescribe narcotics or semi-controlled meds, but we are working toward that end in the UAE. So I think it's very helpful to be able to be as open as possible and be as versatile as possible. Definitely. So I would just really stress when you apply the things that you did not on the computer. And then what they were requiring from my school was to say how much time was spent, like, in each class. Like, what percentage of your time was hybrid and what percentage was online. And unfortunately, they didn't let me see the document first because we would have rearranged some of the things. We wouldn't have lied, but you would have put bigger emphasis. You would have put all of the non-online courses at the top where they're going to look first, and then you would have put the online courses at the end. And they just listed them out in the order I did. So it looked like I did all online. I think they just looked at the first page and were like, she didn't do anything in person, when in reality, if you had just rearranged the wording, it would have been much better. Does that help? What if you got all of your NPI? Online. <laughs> um, maybe take some classes and just do some, you know, extra stuff now that's not online. Would you put, like, your PSN and RN classes first? Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. They want everything from high school through your master's, everything. They want your transcripts from high school. So go find them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
Correct. I think they'll be a little bit more open now because of all of that online during COVID. I, I think it, it will happen. I just am warning people to really don't just beware so that you know that that may be a roadblock for you. You had a question over here? Yeah. There's a lot of um, mental health that's not not been diagnosed or not been um, talked about a lot, and the the women's health care physicians do not feel comfortable, like the OBGYNs don't feel comfortable doing it. So they've started sending them all down to the female providers in the family practice. So I get them all. Um, it's nothing that we would necessarily prescribe medication for. I mean, maybe some of them we would, but it's just talking to them and just praying with them. So I remember an incident recently. I had an, a lady postpartum anxious, so we started talking about you know lack of sleep, how we could sleep, and just trying to encourage her that this is a stage. It's not how she's going to be forever. And the girl to my right was is my scribe or my translator. She does both roles. And then the girl to my left was a medical student from the Emirates, both Muslims. And I just turned to the lady and I was like, can we pray? And uh, she just looked, the patient looked at me, oh, yeah. So we prayed and my two Muslim people beside me, they didn't say a word, but I've noticed that my, my scribe has, a t- has started coming a little bit closer during our morning devotions. She doesn't. She's not really in the circle, but she's like, she can hear more and more. So, very encouraging. Yes? Sure, sure. So, I'm part of AAMP, and so I get a lot of free continuing ed, which I do whenever I have time online. And then, uh, the hospital I'm working for also requires us to do continuing ed. So, actually, double doing Continuing ed, I keep up all the U.S. requirements online, and then I attend all the requirements in the hospital. But I don't think they, I I can't use the ones for the hospital for the U.S. because they, um, well, they're just not endorsed by the correct people. And then I could use the ones for the U.S., though, for the, the hospital, so... Um, I don't think it has to be in the U.S., though, if I'm correct. You just have to practice as a nurse practitioner. Yeah. It has to be 1,000 hours every five years. Yes. Um, have you, so I'm on a few cares depends on where you go. So there could be a role for you. There's not one at our hospital because we don't have a big ICU 
We just have two beds. It's not big. We don't need a, a, you know, an MP to manage those. Um, but I, I feel that there could be a role in other places as in that facility, but it would definitely require you to do a lot of a lot more education. If you were willing to go back and do the FNP on top of it, it would only better what you can do and improve your experience. So when I first got there, yes, um, I was taking language classes and I was doing it um, with a tutor for the first four months. When I got my nurse practitioner license, we were in a huge shortage of physicians in the urgent care and the primary care. So I filled in that role. I was doing an extra 10 to 20 hours a week in my role that was already 44 hours a week. And so I just had no time for a language. In fact, it really made me incredibly anxious to even think about studying. Because when I went home, I feel like I had to study, but I also needed time just to chill out. I mean, I, I was working 14 hours a day and, you know, three to five days a week, 14 hours, and then the others were eight. So I just, I, I do want to learn the language, but Arabic is also really, really hard. So, oh... We were talking about it earlier with Esther, and oh my, it's just like there's a sound. I don't even try because it's here and here and here. There's different sounds, and you have to get them out. It's horrible. So for those of you that speak Arabic, great. Come visit us. We can take you. <laughs> yes? I think that's on their agenda, but the problem is, too, when you don't even have the nurses upscaled to the level that they need to be, it's really hard to then teach those people from those native countries. And so I think while education is promoted in their sustainable goals, it's not as high as the fact that they just want to produce health care right now. Now, each country is different. Like the UAE really wants to promote and increase their numbers and and their education. But that's also a challenge, too, because we're finding that you really have to have a work ethic, which is maybe not there to work, I mean, to actually show up for work if you're a nurse. So when you don't have that as a RN, then you're trying to train somebody to become something above that when they can't function as an RN right now. How much do you find yourself being a resource person to other providers? I mean, you work at a fairly modern hospital. Mm-hmm. I know it's one third of the world about new treatment modalities and stuff. Do they, do right, are they open to that? So, yes, we, there is a platform for that. Um, I've not had the ability to do that consistently, but we, I am involved in several research projects with them. So we present that to the other physicians. And we also, I work with a lot of GPs in the urgent care, which we are just training them in evidence-based practice, like don't give antibiotics for everything. So, you know, we're developing goals and guidelines for the different physicians of different areas, and I think that's part of the education. So it's not direct education to them per se, but just under on the side developing the guidelines that then our more Western doctors promote. We love them. Are you a nurse midwife? Okay. Well, we have a lot of nurse midwives. In fact, they deliver most of our babies. 
Our hospital delivers over 4,000 babies a year, and um, the physicians are not really utilized to deliver those babies unless there's a complication or a C-section. So we use them a lot, yes. What would you say would be a good preparation to go into that culture that's so different from your training culture here? I mean, did you prepare to do that in some way, or how would you address that? Because I would think that would be a big piece of how you feel here. Yes. And especially when I'm working with people from 40 different cultures and have to think about 40 different cultures, I, I would just advocate for going on short-term mission trips and really learning how to think like a different culture, not thinking that you know it all, you know, learning from them, being very open, being very humble. And then I really feel like going to Kenya was very helpful in that, just to realize that what they do is not necessarily wrong. Maybe some of it is. I mean, if they don't wash their hands before they you know, do an IV or something, that's wrong. But there, there's just a lot of cultural things that we can learn from them and then really apply in a good way to what we do. So I'd really encourage short-term mission trips and then just reading about the culture or finding people from that culture around where you live even if they've been out of that culture for a while, they can tell you stories about, you know, how they grew up or what kinds of food they eat or how they think. So, definitely. Where you off of that? Did you find, through your research, did you find that uh, nurse practitioners can work in short-term missions or not really? Because I've seen most right. nurses nursing, so... I think for nurse practitioners, the short-term missions would be more just being an RN. Yeah, definitely. question, how is it um, funded? So we are the only nonprofit hospital in the entire United Arab Emirates. So we rely mostly on just cash patients or we do, they do have insurance. The Emiratis have the highest insurance because it's provided by the government. But everyone that lives or works in the UAE has to have insurance of some kind provided by their employer. And so we get reimbursed on that based on a scale. Our scale is lower than any other hospital. So from what I've heard, Cleveland Clinic got um, compensated at a times six or something like that. And we get compensated at a times two. But we're fighting to get increased funding through the government at this time. And then mental health-wise, right now there's a big stigma in the UAE. But also they're realizing that it is a necessary component. So there's... Um, there's encouragement for psychiatrists, but I think that utilizing mental health nurse practitioners would be very helpful, too. And along those lines, I hired, the other nurse practitioner I hired was a family nurse practitioner. We are in the process of hiring a, or, or trying to hire a pediatric nurse practitioner, and the government was seen very open to that, so I would... Like, if I knew that somebody wanted to come and do mental health, I could approach the government and ask them if they would license a mental health practitioner. Is there a way we can access your slides? Sure. You can just email me, and I will um, send them to you. My email is uh, Lori O. 
Ballard, so L-O-R-I-O-B-A-L-L-A-R-D at Yahoo. Right. Yeah, I would use both the ICN and then WHO. I, we attended Expo 2020 in Dubai, and uh, the, the sustainable goals were listed everywhere. I mean, they don't all apply to medical. They apply to resources and water and everything. Um, but I, I think definitely if you – every country that we visited had some stakeholder in the sustainable goals. Uh, right. That I'm not sure. I I think that has to do with just maybe utilizing some of the NGOs to see what they would advocate for, um, and then just trying to do a lot of research and see who you could contact. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a pat answer for that one. All right. Well, I think our time is up, so thank you all for coming. Thank you, especially Esther, for the laptop. <laughs>